0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com, that's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Hello listeners, welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 300, holy moly, episode 300 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the golden triangle of well-being. What on earth is the golden triangle of well-being? What are the three pillars, the three fundamental places we should be putting our effort and energy if we want to achieve optimal well-being? That's what we're discussing today. Now, the information in today's episode comes from the Australian Well-Being Index, which has been conducted twice a year for 15 years, and it involves more than 60,000 Australian participants. So hello to my Australian listeners. The index found and finds consistently that in order for people to maintain a positive sense of well-being, They need to nurture and grow three core elements in their lives. So think about a triangle, three angles, three corners. Just as a triangle isn't complete without its three corners, our well-being is not at an optimal level unless it has those three angles, those three corners in place. And I'm sure some of you are listening right now and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, there is a strong genetic component to well-being, and that is absolutely true. Unfortunately, however, we can't change our genes, but the good news is we can influence the three pillars, the three corners of this golden triangle. Another way to say that would be that the three corners are entirely within our control. So the golden triangle of well-being. We're focusing on three core areas today. We're going to go through them one by one. If you're looking to boost your well-being, it would be most effective for you to work on these three core pillars. And then after listening today, if you think to yourself, I got those three corners under control, I'm a-okay, where should I put my effort? There are four also important but not quite as important ancillaries, which I will throw out to you at the end of today's episode. So let's get right into core pillar number one of well-being, and that is interpersonal relationships. Relationships are so crucial to our well-being. We are social beings as humans, and so being connected helps us thrive. Now, the Australian Unity Well-Being Index did find that people who are married do tend to have the highest self-rated levels of well-being, but you don't have to be married to nurture your well-being. When we have any type of strong relationship, friendships, platonic relationships, by the way, when I say strong, not superficial, it's a deep relationship in which we can debrief after a long day, in which we can take off the mask, so to speak, that we wear each and every day. It's a relationship in which we can be our authentic and most vulnerable selves. When we have those types of relationships in our lives, our well-being improves. Now, again, I just alluded to it, but let's make sure we're all on the same page. There is a big distinction here worth noting between surface-level acquaintance relationships, acquaintance friendships. That is not the same as the deep and interpersonal ones that are essential to our well-being. How do you nurture close relationships? Well, according to research, step one is to be your authentic self. Be vulnerable. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers. It can be easy to stay superficial, right? It can be easy to talk about the weather or pop culture or kids. And I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about those things. But if it feels right for you, if it feels comfortable for you, go deeper Ask intimate questions and be intimate in return. Next up, of course, (laughs) is to practice unconditional other acceptance, or what psychologists like to call UOA. UOA, unconditional other acceptance, is the backbone of a fulfilling relationship. It means that you view your friends as imperfect beings and you love them anyway. They likely have different values and objectives and vulnerabilities than you do. That's what it means to be human, and we accept and love them anyway. When there's a miscommunication or an argument with a friend, nurture those relationships by apologizing when you're wrong, by doing the hard work, by staying through the conflict, sticking with the friendship despite the conflict, Remember that no amount of money can buy a good friend, so don't get rid of a good friend over a conflict, even if in the moment the conflict seems really big. Do the hard work. Stick with the friendship. Remember that resentment and anger and hostility poisons a rewarding relationship, so stay in the conflict. Work it out. Even if you hate conflicts, work it out because good friends are hard to come by. And then finally, of course, it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Make time to get together. If your great friend lives far away, schedule time to call. Don't just text. Make your friends a priority. And I know how hard this can be in busy adulthood life, right? Adulting's hard. Adulting takes a lot of time. If you want strong, deep, interpersonal relationships, especially friendships, you got to make time for them. So that's... Angle, that's corner of the golden triangle number one, and that is strong interpersonal relationships. Corner number two, or pillar number two, I should say, is having financial control. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this today because we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. And if you want to go deeper, I'll link to those episodes. And we talk about financial security and happiness I'll link to those in the show note. But financial control. While many of us strive to have lots of money and have the biggest and the best and the shiniest and the newest stuff, that is not one of the corners of the golden triangle of well-being. The state of our finances and how we approach money does have a big impact on our well-being, but earning more does not necessarily mean you'll have higher well-being. The Australian Unity Wellbeing Index showed that those living on lower incomes can see a gigantic improvement in their well-being if they get a pay raise or they make more money. So what does that mean? That means that when you don't have a lot of money, earning a bit more does come with a massive increase in well-being. And that's because money does provide a sense of security, it gives people the ability to manage the fundamentals of life, it also quote-unquote buys crucial brain space. Brain space is freed up from having your fundamental needs met, like having food on the table, having a roof over your head, etc. There is a clear link between being in control of your finances and your well-being, but, and there is a but, this effect does taper off. We've all heard the detailed research into the $70,000 a year number, haven't we? The research says that your happiness increases until you're making $70,000 a year, and then happiness levels stay the same, regardless of how much money you make. Now, I do think probably we need to adjust that $70,000 a bit for inflation, <laughs> but. You may be asking yourself, why on earth would I make $70,000 a year if I could make $500,000 a year, or $2 million a year, or heck, $10 million a year? Why not? Why stop at 70000 Well, I think it's important to remember that you may likely have to give up some stuff to earn that $1 million or $5 million a year. And what you might have to give up is time with your loved ones free time to explore and have fun. You may stress more, which means you're not fully present when you're not working, etc., etc. It's important to ask yourself, what are you giving up in order to make more money? In today's world, right, it's we all want the promotion. We all want to make more money. Everybody wants to rise the corporate ladder. Nobody wants to stay stagnant. Make more money, buy the second home, buy the boat, buy the bigger home. But instead of blindly planning for that promotion, instead of spending that extra money that we're going to make before we actually make it, perhaps we need to get in the habit of asking ourselves, what do we have to give up for that rise in income? What do we have to sacrifice for that added responsibility that comes with that promotion? I'm not saying you shouldn't take that promotion. Not saying that. I am saying, though, that we should be looking at that promotion or looking at that increase in finances through a second and third lens. So we're going to get into the third corner of well-being after a quick note from this week's sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven Collection And we are back. We are discussing the golden triangle of well-being. We're discussing the three pillars that research finds time and time again are integral to a overall and holistic sense of well-being. Part one, corner one, was strong interpersonal relationships. Pillar two is having financial control. And take a guess right now before I tell you what pillar three is. If you had to guess, what could it be? If you said health, you are wrong, my friends. According to the research, having a strong purpose is more integral to well-being than health. Health is an ancillary, and we're going to get there. But a purpose. (laughs) What is a purpose? It is that thing. hate that word, thing. It is that intangible. That's a better word. It's the intangible that helps us get out of bed. In the morning. Our well-being hinges on doing things that create meaning in our lives and even better if that meaning creates a legacy for long after we're gone. Now, the importance of having a purpose is not new It is an idea that has been around for centuries across cultures. Philosophers have written plenty of times on the importance of having a purpose, and that's because people who don't have a strong sense of purpose often experience negative emotions. They often feel unmotivated. They are often anxious, and they often feel unsatisfied with life. They have low levels of life satisfaction. And so while the idea of a purpose is very individual, it's very personal. My purpose is not likely the same as your purpose. And so while it is an individual idea, the sense of purpose is not all that personal or individual because the purpose means that we're often contributing to something that's bigger than ourselves. A purpose provides that extra level of motivation that you need to push you out of bed each morning and to push you beyond what you would do if you were just focusing on your own individual self. I think about my grandmother here. My grandparents were married for 40-something years, and then my grandfather passed away. After he passed away, my grandmother stopped cooking. She stopped cooking dinners. She really just ate what. She found in the cabinets, it was very rarely a meal. And I remember as a teenager, I asked why she wasn't cooking anymore. And she said, what's the point if it's just me? Like, why cook? I'm not saying that my grandmother's purpose was to cook for my grandfather. That was not her life purpose. But I am saying that we tend to act one way and a lesser way when it's just for ourselves. We tend to do more, we tend to push ourselves to do more for ourselves and others when there's somebody else benefiting from the action. Now, according to research, so if you don't know what your purpose is, according to research, your purpose should be three things. The first is it should be fun. (laughs) Our purpose should be something that makes us really happy. So how many of us know somebody who's really good at Let's say soccer, or let's say the violin. You have a natural talent for it, but it doesn't make you happy. You don't enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, even if you're good at it, it's not your purpose. I don't really love the Marie Kondo phrase of sparking joy. I don't like it. But in this regard, sparking joy makes sense. Your purpose should be something that sparks joy. And even better, if it's something that sparks joy and you're good at it. That's the magic sauce right there. Number two, your purpose. It's definitely your purpose if you don't care about the outcome. Related to this is you don't care what other people think about your purpose. We all tend to desire external validation from others, right? That's human nature. But when it comes to our purpose, The key is to not find something that other people think is purposeful. (laughs) It's all about what brings you deep joy and deep satisfaction. So I'm going to say that a better way. (laughs) It doesn't matter what the world thinks about your purpose because your purpose is inside you. And when it comes to your purpose, your opinion is the only one that actually matters. So that's number two. And finally, number three, if you don't know what your purpose is, keep in mind that according to research, your purpose is something that when you look back on your life, you will think to yourself, yeah, I lived well. So it's important to find a purpose that when you are old and gray and ready to move on to whatever comes next, your purpose is something that you'll feel great about. You will know you made the world a better place. You will know that your purpose increased your own sense of life satisfaction. If you're living your purpose, you're living well. My own personal tip, so not related to research, but just Stephanie's thoughts on purpose here. If you don't know what your purpose is, do what I did, which essentially was to ask myself, what would you do every single day if you never made a single cent doing it? So you never monetized it. You never made a cent doing it. What would you do every single day with a smile on your face, even if you never made a cent from doing it? So my suggestion to you is to sit with that question and see what pops up for you. See what comes up. And if you're like most people, it's going to come up. It's going to be clear. But then you're going to have these, but I can't, or but it won't, or but statements, but this, but that. If you have but statements after the answer is clear to you, I suggest you recognize those buts for exactly what they are. And what they are is fear. No buts in a purpose. A purpose is a purpose. Okay, so let's recap one more time. The three corners of the golden triangle, quality interpersonal relationships, financial control, and having a strong purpose. So you have those three under control. First of all, if you don't have those three under control, you don't feel good about those three things, my hope is today that you work on those core three first. But if you're listening and you're feeling like, I got it, Stephanie, I got those under control, you're not off the hook. Because after you have those three corners feeling good, it is then time to reach out towards the other very important but indeed ancillary, according to the study, facets of well-being, which are your personal health, which are community connectedness. So how involved in your community are you? Next up is personal safety. And finally is future security. So you work on the core three and then you work on your health, your community connectedness, your personal safety, and your future security. Those four will be Another topic for another day. My final word for today's episode is to remember that well being is not the same as success. I am constantly seeing people in my personal life, in my real life, amass stuff, amass bigger stuff, upgrade. And I'm doing air quotes over here, upgrade to a bigger home, upgrade to a new car when they already have a perfectly fine car, amass a lot of stuff and make sure that all the stuff they're acquiring is on trend and in fashion and really darn cool. This incessant endeavor to always reach for the next golden ring, to always try to achieve or acquire the next biggest and the next greatest thing, that endeavor Is a fool's errand. Amassing takes work, takes energy, and we have a finite amount of energy to give. (laughs) When we are focused on acquiring shiny objects, we are using our finite energy, and we then have less energy left to focus on what research says is important, which is the core three. Another thought here, so final word to the final word. (laughs) I'm on a roll today. The final word to the final word is that when we try to impress people by adorning our exteriors with shiny stuff, we're missing the point. Well-being is an internal thing. Well-being is acquired by doing the deep inner work, not the exterior glamification. The amassing of shiny stuff sometimes gets me too. I catch myself once in a while feeling a bit envious when somebody in my real life upgrades to whatever, or gets something really nice and cool, or buys a bigger house, or whatever it is. I feel envy. I am a human being. It's my hope that in the future, when this envy does pop up, and it certainly will again, because again, I'm human and it's human nature to feel envy. I hope that I return to the three pillars of the golden triangle to recenter myself. I hope I remember those core three facets of well-being, and my hope for you is that you return to the golden triangle and the core three principles as well. It's not about shiny stuff. It's about, one more time, say it with me, interpersonal relationships, financial security, and living your purpose. If you loved this episode, let me know. If you hated it, let me know that too. Show notes have my email. Show notes have my phone number. Show notes have it all. I also link to some further reading, resources mentioned if you'd like to learn more. Thank you to Australia for the Wellbeing Index. I learned so much in researching for this episode. I will see you on Tuesday. Have an amazing weekend. Reach out as always. Don't forget to leave that review if you like me. Thank you so much and take care.